This is My Playbook. I'm Simon Mundy, and in this podcast, created by Greenhouse Sports, we'll be hearing from a host of inspiring people about who and what inspired, supported, and encouraged them during difficult moments. We'll find out what they've learned along the way, as well as what they want to share and pass on. Greenhouse Sports is the charity that uses sport to help disadvantage young people and communities. Their core belief is that every child deserves opportunities and a fair chance to get on in life. And through Greenhouse's coaches and partners, they look to make that a reality. The work they do is about encouraging young people through sport and teaching them the life skills they need. 2022 is Greenhouse's 20th anniversary. And over the last 20 years, the charity has helped more than 50,000 children in London, but there are a further 4 million children across the UK right now that they would like to help. And if you'd like to find out more about their work and how you could help support another generation of young people, please head to greenhousesports.org to find out more. In the meantime, to this episode in which I speak to Angelina Harrison, brand director at TOS, the healthy high street food chain. The Marleybone-based business has been supporting Greenhouse Sports since 2019. Prior to COVID, Tost was thriving, but when the pandemic and the lockdowns hit, the company was forced into administration. Undeterred, Angelina and her managing director, Neil Sever, worked to acquire the company and successfully relaunched, all whilst maintaining their support for Greenhouse Sports as their official charity. Since relaunching, the company has made enormous progress. Tost now has 12 London branches, stretching from Paddington to Broadgate. And this year, they announced that for every sale of their superfood salad across those branches and their delivery service, 50p will be donated directly to the charity. There are also plans for Tost to support the charity's performance table tennis squad. In this podcast, Angelina talks about the challenges of the last few years and how they maintained the resilience to build the business back while maintaining the values of a purpose-driven enterprise that underpins Toss's partnership with Greenhouse, as well as the company's underlying philosophy, food to make you feel good. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, Angelina. How are you? Hello, Simon. I'm really well, thank you. Good. Now, you're brand director for Tost, aren't you? I am, yes. How did you get involved? What was your entry into Tost, as it were? I've always worked in hospitality, always worked in food. I'm a chef by trade. And I was working in the food team in Pret when I got approached by Vincent, who was the founder of the brand. And at the time, I think a lot of people thought I was crazy you're joining where? You're going to work for who? But I, I just got sort of taken in by the whole ethos of the brand. And I was really excited to be working for a small business where I would be a decision maker, moving from a small fish in a big pond to be a big fish in a small pond. So I joined the business 10 years ago as head of food. I moved up to board level about four years after that as commercial director. And now I'm brand director. In the industry that I'm in, I have, I feel, a good understanding of my work. A lot of people view hospitality as perhaps not the greatest career in the world for various reasons, but it's all I've ever known and I love it. The love you mentioned in the mission statement, did you get a sense of that right from the start? Yes, certainly. I met Vincent and his sort of passion and enthusiasm for 
not only the brand, but where he was going as an individual and where he wanted to take the company and the belief he had in, in what Tost was trying to do was infectious. We have been speaking about mentors in this series. Was there anyone who left a particular imprint on you, on your way of working, on, on your outlook prior to Tost? Oh, yeah, definitely. I've been inspired by people since I was sort of 19, 20 years old, starting out. One of my first jobs was working on the boats on the Thames as waitress, bar person, food server. I was at a time in my life where I didn't really know what I was doing. I knew I the job I had was very much sort of a temporary job in my mind. And I worked with a chef called Alison. And, you know, I remember thinking, oh, being a chef is a cool job. You know, imagine being able to tell people you're a chef. Imagine being able to wear chef's clothes and, and do chef things all the time. And she was like, you know, it's not that hard to be a chef. Just go to college and get a job. You could be a chef. And I was like, I could. <laughs> that sort of light bulb moment of actually, this isn't just something I do while I try and work out what to do with my life. I could do this with my life. So she was probably one of the first people in the industry that really uh, inspired me into don't be shy of just doing what you enjoy doing, even mm. if it's not perhaps what other people would view as the best thing to do or the right thing to do. If you enjoy it and you're good at it, just do it. Did you feel that sense of other people thinking, oh, perhaps you could do something or should do something different? I think there is definitely a feeling that, that working in hospitality and whether that be behind the bar or waitressing or being a host somewhere isn't a real job. And maybe it's just because there's so much work available and a lot of it you don't have to be particularly skilled or trained and, you know, there's entry-level positions that you can do and people do it on their school holidays or their weekends, whereas I feel that it's a great career that you'll never be out of work. You know, it's fun, it's exciting, it's dynamic. You meet people from all walks of life. And fundamentally, you're, you're feeding people, facilitating people having a good time, having a night out or a meal with friends or with family or people's lunch breaks, which for a lot of people, perhaps in proper grown-up jobs, you know, I would say that in inverted commas, if you could see me doing the little <laughs> rabbit heels, like their lunch break is the best part of their day, which mm. is a shame first of all but secondly if you can make that lunch break just a little bit better just a little bit more magic a little bit more fun that's a brilliant job I think. What lessons did you learn since joining Tost in the years before all mayhem broke loose in 2020? Gosh one thing I've learned and one thing that I have taken with me is how to be efficient, how to be organized, how to do things properly, of making sure there's a system in place, making sure there's a process in place. I can hear the metaphorical yawns running through people now when you start talking about process and system. And I think it is because naturally I'm quite a chaotic person. I don't live a particularly ordered or structured life outside of work. So in order to be good at my job, I need to make sure that I have structure and process and order and systems that's super, super important, I think. You said we're projecting a yawn out there. <laughs> I, I disagree. I think who wouldn't want to be able to do things better, faster and more efficiently? So if you had to give one tip on that front, 
for anyone listening who struggles in that area, what would you say? I suppose especially in hospitality and in a job like mine, my job is fundamentally to drive change in the business, Um, whether that be changing a menu item, changing an ingredient, changing a recipe, changing a marketing campaign. The biggest thing I would say is make sure you keep a checklist or several checklists, not missing anything out. Every time you do something, learn from it and make it better next time. I've got a couple of sayings that I like to say. First one is every launch better than the last, which is when we were doing a food launch or a marketing launch, we'd make sure that any mistakes we made or anything we forgot the launch before, we did it this time. And it's only a mistake if you don't learn from it. You know, everyone makes mistakes and you're allowed to make mistakes. If you make the same mistake again, then then that's a mistake in itself. Yes, agreed. Now, we've touched on the TOS mission statement, but even more broadly, it's a values-run business, isn't it? How would you elaborate on what that means? I speak to every new starter into the, in the business. We have what we call a welcome day where they come into our greenhouse, which is what we call our office, talking about the brand, where it's come from, what we do, what's important to us. And I always talk about our mission statement, and I, I break it down into the four parts which is healthy and delicious. We like to be open and honest about what's in our food. We try not to be preachy. Made fresh, which is everything has to be customizable. It's our USP. It's our most important part of our menu, but it's also our Achilles heel. A really hard thing to try and do operationally. Um, The easiest thing to do operationally would be to do what prep do, which is make everything first thing in the morning, stick it in a fridge and let people help themselves to it. People love being able to just create whatever they want. The values bit probably comes in when we talk about with love. Fundamentally, myself and Neil, who's the MD, our belief is if we can, we should. And that is our sustainability policy, however brief that sounds. But in all aspects of the business, we try and do the best that we can. So your focus on the mission statement, love, values... To what degree did that influence the fact that you have formed this nicely fitting collaboration with Greenhouse? They're all about healthy, happy lifestyles, which is what we're about as well. Um, It just seems too good to be true that we'd come across this charity, which was um, so in line with our values. It just felt right. Although there has obviously been that one rocky moment. So do you want to tell me about the 2019 table tennis tournament? I think I've blocked out a lot of it because genuinely I feel we were robbed. Although that is just me being competitive because we weren't very good. I think we went to the table tennis tournament quietly confident that we were better than most. And so we rocked up to this tournament just wearing our sort of normal office clothes and then we're not only surrounded by a team of not even teenagers I like to think that they went easy on us because it was embarrassing but also some of the other competitors there were you know in full-on sports kit and um, headbands and everything but it was the funnest time and um, we, we can't wait to do it again uh, we just need a little bit of notice so we can get practicing. But we 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 lost. Yeah. Okay. Look, we, we, don't to, <laughs> we don't need to go deep in that. Other than to say, you were clearly ambushed. 
but it hasn't put a spanner in the works because that was back in in 2019 and for toss things were looking very rosy in 2019 obviously when covid hit in early 2020 in many ways an approach and an attitude that had been such an asset became a vulnerability Look, we all had a tough time but what was it like for you and your company oh it was a nightmare to be blunt about it from a personal point of view it it was as everyone was feeling unsettled a little bit you know nervous a little bit worried from a business point of view i think at first we thought this would all blow over and we'd be back open within a few weeks and we'd just pick up where we left off it was an opportunity to catch up on some admin do those tasks that you've been putting off for ages. We then became quite heavily involved in the Feed Our Frontline initiative, making salads and getting those sent out to hospitals for the NHS teams. It, we were keeping busy. There were things that we were getting on with. I think it wasn't until a little bit later on, it became apparent that London was still a very different place and that what Tosters always needed was people coming through the doors. And those people tended to be people who worked in offices. And there became a point when we did the work to reopen the stores, got some team members back in, got some food in, opened the doors. And unfortunately, it became apparent really rather quickly that the business that I'd worked for for the previous decade that we'd all built up wasn't going to survive in its current form which was obviously quite devastating. How long did that sense of devastation last? And how close were you to collapsing, essentially? The old TOS did collapse. Business went into administration in in June of 2020. And we did try to do everything we could to rescue the business. But if you just don't have the people coming through the doors... You, you don't have a business, you can't pay your bills, you can't pay your team. So that became apparent quite quickly that until something drastically changed in London, the business just couldn't survive. From a, a personal point of view, it was very disorientating. I've always worked. Even when I was at school, I had two jobs working at the weekends and after school and in the mornings before I went to school. So it was quite disorientating. It was quite a moment of, oh, what happens now? What do I do now? It looks very much like I'm not going to have a job. And not only am I not going to have a job, I'm not going to have a job when there aren't that many jobs around. Fortunately, that period was relatively swift because uh, Neil, who was our MD pre-COVID and is still our MD now, phoned me up and and said, I'm not having this. (laughs) As sort of to paraphrase, he said, "I, I think I think there is still a future there for the brand. We can start a new business, buying the Toss brand, and start again from scratch. Um, So that's what we did. I was at a time in my life where I could afford to take a little bit of a risk. I don't have children. I don't have a mortgage. I don't have a huge amount of dependencies and responsibilities financially. So... I could say, okay, let's do it. I invested my redundancy package back into the business and we did it. Wow. Was that exciting? Hugely exciting. Um, I mean, it was in some ways, 
I don't want to say taking a step backwards because that's not how I view it. But in the old world, I managed a team of five people uh, in a head office of 18. And, and all of a sudden, there was a team of five people in head office and I was managing no one. So all the work that I'd previously had people do and then ask me to sign it off, I sort of had to do myself. But I, I like that in some ways. I think it's it's refreshing. And, and as I said before, it's made us all incredibly efficient because if something's not worth doing, we don't do it because we simply don't have the time or the capacity or the people. So it's made us super, super focused and hyper dynamic in terms of what we actually do. The goal of getting the business to a place where it's sustainable going forward, not only in terms of profit, but making sure that the sort of building blocks of a brand to be proud of are in place. What did you have to change? And at what point were you sure this is actually going to (laughs) work? To be brutally honest, that moment where we thought this is actually going to work was reasonably recently. If we'd known in August 2020 that a year and a half later, we'd only just be coming out of restrictions, would we have still made that decision? I don't know. Probably, but um, that wasn't in our plan. In this experience that you've had over the last couple of years what personal lessons you would say that you've learned that you've been able to take from this period being dynamic being able to react quickly make decisions and execute them well when we first reopened one of my favorite sayings and I love a saying me I probably overdo Uh it but but one of my favorite ones was um, better done than perfect which perhaps flies in the face of you know, some of my other sayings like retails in the detail, but it was a case of, you know, just do it, just get it done, just get it out there. We don't have time or the luxury of being able to dissect things to the nth degree and to work out any possible permutation. Just try it, just see what happens. And I think that's probably a personal lesson as well. We were so restricted for such a long time. We couldn't do the things that we wanted to do. So if there's something you want to do, just do it. What's the worst that can happen? And I do understand the irony of what's the worst that can happen when the worst that could happen is a global pandemic. So that's definitely a lesson that I've learned in business and in um, my personal life. Just get on and do things. Yeah. I think that's such a, a good bit of advice, actually. You know, because perfectionism can get in the way of so many people it stops you starting it's amazing what you can get done by just starting by just giving things a try which is essentially what you're saying oh absolutely it's so so important perfectionism can be really really crippling and and the sort of fear of doing badly or looking stupid or making a mistake or getting told off or or all of those anxieties that people have it's so restrictive. It's such a sort of negative feeling to have. Just sort of taking a deep breath and jumping. It can be so liberating. Um, if things don't work out, it's, it's never the end of the world. There is another great saying I have, actually, which is learning to recognize the difference between an inconvenience and a tragedy. 
when something goes wrong, there is a natural tendency to sort of immediately label it as the worst thing in the world. And then it's a tragedy and it's terrible. But actually, sometimes in hindsight, it, it was just an inconvenience and, and it doesn't really matter. Look, I would suggest that you could release a coffee table book of quotes to, <laughs> to, to supplement your tossed income because you've got some absolute belters. Now, let's talk about the latest way that you've teamed up with Greenhouse. So we really wanted to make sure that our relationship wasn't just, we'll put your badge on our website, we'll tell people that you're our partner charity, um, we'll rock up once a year and lose badly at your table tennis competition. <laughs> um, we wanted to make sure that we had a real tangible relationship, contribute financially to them regularly and sustainably. So we actually brought back one of my favorite salads, which is called the superfood salad, which used to be on the menu many years ago. The perfect salad to associate with Greenhouse because it's full of super ingredients, edamame, beetroot, omega seeds, you know, ingredients that people sort of recognize as being, oh my God, that's like hyper good for you. It's not just your normal vegetable. It's also a really bright and colorful salad. And we decided that if we gave 50p of the selling price of every salad we sold to Greenhouse, that was a commitment that we could make to be a giving a regular donation to the centre and to the organisation. You've obviously got to know the charity a lot. What, what is it about them you admire the most? When you speak to them and you hear what, what they do in terms of the sports coaching and the mentoring, it seems so right and it almost seems so obvious in terms of it's potentially an, an area that's, that's overlooked in terms of sports funding for young people. And potentially some people would look at it and go, oh, it's more important that kids get coaching in English or in maths or in the sciences, which is all true. But actually being able to connect with young people through sports, it's so obviously a great way to provide really strong role models for young people. Being able to work as a team, being resilient, being able to enjoy the successes, but also learn from the losses. They're such great life lessons. And it's almost something that you can't put on the curriculum, can you? You, you can't teach that without actually showing them what it's like and, and, and doing that. I love the fact that first and foremost, they coach. But secondly, and fundamentally, they are mentors. They are adults that young people can sort of look up to and really be inspired in life. I think you summed that up really nicely. Thank Just quickly you. back to the superfood salad. Mm. How much are you hoping to raise? We set ourselves a target of £20,000 a year. If we don't get that from sales of the superfood salad, we're a big fan of targets and a big fan of um, hitting them. Um, so if we said we'll raise £20,000, we'll raise £20,000 one way or another. I like it. Now, for a company that's been through a hell of a lot over the last few years, and there are lots of them out there, of course, it's easy to think of a, a company and to understand why a company would just focus on profit, not on helping disadvantaged people, supporting a charity. And when... I think of that 
the saying, if you like, that comes to my mind is that if we can, we should from Neil. Yeah, 100%. And Neil and I spoke at length when we first started up the business again about what kind of business we wanted to be, about what kind of values we wanted to run by. I feel a little bit conflicted sometimes working in a business. It's um, I consider myself to be an altruistic sort of socialist and I'm living in a capitalist world. So making sure that when we can, that we reach out to people who are disadvantaged. We both fully appreciate the privilege that we have. The fact that we were able to own the business is a huge privilege and making sure that, that we can share that privilege and that we can recognize our own privilege and help others who may be disadvantaged or vulnerable uh, in any way that we can. As a business, we're, we're delighted and, and actually honored to be associated with such a fantastic organization. It's intrinsic to our brand and to our organization and, and will continue to do so as long as, as long as I'm in charge. Angelina, thank you very much indeed for talking to me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Simon. Thank you for listening to this episode of My Playbook with Angelina Harrison. As I mentioned at the start, 2022 is Greenhouse Sports' 20th anniversary. Please do check out the incredible work they do by visiting greenhousesports.org. And if you'd like to get involved and help, please do get in touch. All the details are on their website. And please do share, rate and review this episode wherever you can. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.